0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and co-host, Patricia Glover Howard. Hi, Patricia. Good evening, Bernice. Good evening. Well, Patricia will monitor the chat room and summarize your comments. Well, welcome to the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Well, tonight's show is about the National Society of the Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage, and my guests are... Dr. Evelyn McDowell, genealogist LaBrenda Garrett Nelson, and charter member Muriel D.D. Roberts. Dr. Evelyn McDowell is an associate professor of accounting at Rider University in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. She currently serves as the founder and president of the Sons and Daughters of the United States Middle Passage, a heritage society for descendants of Africans who were enslaved in colonial America and in the United States of America. Through genealogical research, she has found over 35 enslaved ancestors. LaBrenda Garrett Nelson is the Registrar General of the Sons and Daughters of the United States Middle Passage, and she's responsible for reviewing the sufficiency of applications. Board certified since 2015, she is also a trustee of the Board for Certification of Genealogists and a frequent speaker at national and local venues. In 2016, she published a guide for researching African Americans in her home county of Lawrence, South Carolina, and she discussed her book on this show. Muriel D. Roberts is serving her third year as secretary and ninth year as membership chairperson for the New Jersey Chapter of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society. She is a charter member of the Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage, honoring ancestor Melindia Dixon. So let me give a warm welcome to all of my guests. To research at the National Archives and beyond. Well, we're going to start with the founder and president of the National Society of the Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage. So, Evelyn, I'd like to welcome you to the show.
2: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I, I really appreciate the
1: opportunity to talk about the organization. Well, I am looking forward to you sharing information with us. So let's just start with the National Society of Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Medal Passage. When was this uh, organization organized?
2: The organization was organized in 2011. Um, uh, we uh, we started it. Um, uh, you know, the it was the organization was set up in Washington, D.C. And um, um, would you like to know more about how it was set up? Or should I go into that?
1: Uh, Yes.
2: Okay. (laughs) All right. So um, we got the uh, um, – it was organized with – I'm going to tell you about our founding board members. It was me, um, uh, Catherine Puckett, uh, Abassi Anton and uh, Desmond uh, Hamilton. We started the organization back in 2011. We, um, the organization was, uh, uh, you know, it, it came about with, um, uh, after a speech um, that I gave, I gave a, I was supposed to give a speech to, um, uh, a, a, for minority students who were majoring in accounting, and I was giving them a story I wanted to tell them a story about how I started um, in you know my beginnings, humble beginnings in Cleveland, Ohio. My um, I grew up uh, in in a you know a, a low income area, and I had to overcome uh, the poverty there uh, to uh, uh, to make it to be able to you know get my certified public accounting certificate. Uh, have a practice, and also um, get my Ph.D. in accounting um, and become a professor. So I was talking to them about it, but uh, before that, uh, I had just learned that my great-grandmother was born an enslaved woman. And uh, when I thought about uh, really how far my family came, and then when I um, added my great-grandmother to the of the story, it was an amazing story um, to me, at least, because I had never thought about how far, um, you know, we had come, um, given that she was born an enslaved person just two generations ago. And, uh, and so I gave um, the presentation, and while I was giving the presentation, the, um, you know, I, I decided to bring up my great-grandmother, and I said her name, and I said, told how she was enslaved, and the energy in the room just vanished. I mean, not vanished, but it, it expounded. Uh, it it, the energy just went, went you know, uh, it, was, it was amazing, the energy. Um, uh, I, um, I felt it. Everybody else felt it was a very powerful moment. The, uh, the, the um, people came up to me later on. And I, I, at that point, it, it really just changed me. And I, and I wondered if other people, if they would do the same thing and connect to their enslaved ancestor, I was wondering if, if and hoping that other people would be encouraged to do it or should be encouraged to do it. And so I thought about how I can, you know, uh, encourage other people to uh, connect to their enslaved ancestors. Um, and, um, I was watching a show, um, and I'm sure many of your listeners know about the show is, uh, who do you think you are? And they mentioned the Daughters of the American Revolution. Well, honestly, you know, I'm an accountant, um, I'm not a genealogist by trade. I had never heard of the Daughters of the American Revolution. And so I, um... Uh, and I heard about what they were doing, and, and I said, wow, this is exactly what I think or what I would love to be able to do uh, to create for people who are descendants of enslaved people. Um, and so I actually um, took all of my, my, my family tree information, and I went on a pilgrimage, if you will, to the Daughters of American Revolution. I uh, went to Washington, D.C., to, uh, you know to see what it's all about. honestly I did. I just took everything down there and um, so I went down um, and I was surprised to see so many uh, African Americans working there. And it was great so I, I went I approached a few and I told them what I wanted to do and I, I wanted to talk to somebody who could give me more information. They couldn't help me um, but eventually um, they directed me to a woman, Uh, And, uh, you know, who could help me And uh, her name is uh, Hollis Gentry So they called her down And she came down to talk to me um, About, um, you know, the organization I introduced myself And then I told her that I wanted to start an organization Just like this for African Americans And uh, she she said, oh, that's great But I can't talk to you right now um, you know, I you know, I'm, I'm still working and and maybe maybe sometime we can get together for lunch or you know, um, but my train was leaving so <laughs> um I, I was a little worried. And then she said to me, uh I can uh uh I can talk to you if you want to join. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, I want to join." Um it wouldn't have been a bad idea and um it, you know, and, and 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 also I got a chance to talk with her. So, um, so I handed her all of my family tree information, and she um, got on the computer and starts entering some things. And the next, next thing I know, she yells, "Oh my gosh!" You know, really loud. And we, uh, everybody's looking, and what's going on? And and I'm wondering what's going on. And then she says, "One of your ancestors." fought for the American Revolution, and I could not believe it. I was like, really? <laughs> and, um, uh, and it turned out that that ancestor, no one had ever connected to, them, to him. So that meant that I had to do all of the work. He was born in the 1700s, and I had to, you know, little old me, the accountant, had to figure out, how do I document my lineage all the way to this person that really, I just added him to my tree uh, probably about a month before that. And, and how was I going to do that? Well, I had to learn how to do it. Um, it was a great opportunity because, um, because I had to do the exact same thing for, uh, to create the sons and daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage. So I learned how to do it? I learned how to do the application process. I uh, joined the Daughters of American Revolution. I joined the Princeton chapter um, in New Jersey, and and uh, they were awesome. They helped me um, put together the application. So I learned a lot of the backroom um, uh, procedures, and I used that information to create the application to create the process. Um, and to make connections, which was so uh, um, important. Uh, many of the women that I met in DARS of the American Revolution, um, especially women of color, they came out to support me. Um, they were, you know, happy about what I was trying to do. They, uh, many of the members joined this organization, and, I, and it's the sisterhood. Of the women of color, um, just has been such an amazing thing for me, um, and and it really helped to establish
1: the organization. So, um, so with mm-hmm. with that said, why why should one consider joining this lineage society? You you have indicated that you you understood the pro you learned about the process through D A R and became a DAR member, which meant that you joined that lineage society because you had the documentation to prove your ancestral connection to the Revolutionary War. But tell us, why should someone consider joining this lineage society?
2: Well, um, that lineage society, um, you know, you know it's, it's, it's a great organization, However, it does not, um, uh, you know, does not celebrate in a way that other African Americans could celebrate um, our enslaved ancestors. So, uh, joining the organiz- joining a, you know, joining a, a lineage society that does that um, links you with other people who have the same interests. Uh, it helps you with networking. Um, it helps you with the the, the shared interest of preserving artifacts. Um, we, you know, one of the things that we want to do is to uh, help raise money uh, for, um, uh, you know, for people who are organizations uh, that are preserving homes that um, enslaved people lived in and and going around and, and, and living in those uh, organizations or, I mean, in those uh, dwellings and and, uh, you know, people who are uh, doing this work, we want to support them. So we want to help preserve artifacts. We want um, to commemorate our enslaved ancestors. Uh, you know, I don't believe, I believe it's very difficult for people to, uh, to stand in our shoes. We stand in a very unique position um, of being descended from these people who, who made this country exactly what it is today? I mean if it wasn't for um, millions and millions of people enslaved and and not uh, earning the money from their own labor, that money was taken from them and put into roads and 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 put into corporations and put into to banks and put into uh, um, uh individual bank accounts and 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 so and and it, 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 the money was put into states and local governments and and all of that money made the United States what it is and so i don't believe I, at least I find it hard to believe that that someone could could really celebrate um you know the the amazing um wonderful uh you know uh people that they were and uh, like their descendants so joining the organization, you join with other people who feel the same way. Um, you help to educate other people about what happened during slavery. And, and you know, people think they know something about it. And believe me, uh, I'm an accountant, right? And so uh, I did not know about so much about uh, slavery that I do know now. And, and believe me, everything I thought I knew, um <laughs> you know I, I just keep learning new and new uh, more and more information all the time so uh, so joining the organization, you educate yourself, you educate other people about the institution of slavery uh, and 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 the effect that it had on this country, the effect that it has on the descendants um, you uh, you recognize your deep connection that you have with other African Americans that is such an important thing for me, that we are recognizing our, um, our, our connection. Um, a lot of us are finding out that we're cousins, you know, um, through, uh-huh. this, through, through all of this work. And we, um, you know, you, you also, uh, if you join a, this lineage society, you're helping each other deal with the effects of, of slavery. Um, uh, the effects are still with us today. And 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 the, the one way for all of us to uh, overcome the effects is for us to come together and help each other uh, overcome them. And we can't come to and we we have a perfect way to come together, um, and that is our shared lineage. And wouldn't it be nice? I, I thought about this uh, at our conference, uh, which I hope to be able to talk about. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if maybe some of the people who are uh, you know Have gang warfare Against each other Wouldn't it be great if they find out that they're cousins And then maybe You don't want to commit violence Against your cousin And and so um, You know that, That's a long term um, Hoping that more and more people Will connect to each other And see that we all need each other And, and, and that we need to be helping And not
1: hurting each other Right so as you, you know, spoke about our shared lineage, what are the membership requirements to join this group?
2: Well, um, you know, uh, the membership requirements are for you to uh, uh, connect to that, identify and connect to the enslaved ancestor um, generation by generation by generation. So you have to identify that person and uh, complete the application, send the application in. We send it to our registrar, um, uh, LaBrenda, and um, she would go through it, and she's going to be able to uh, give you more information about, uh, you know, more detailed information about how you can join the organization and,
1: and uh, detailing your ancestry. So as as a member uh, when When did you actually you said you started the group in two thousand and eleven, but when did you start taking in members? We
2: started taking in members almost two years ago. We just start, start taking applications in,
1: yes, about that time and so how how large is the group right now?
2: uh you know i honestly, I don't have the exact number in front of me uh but you know what is happening is that we are getting so many um you know requests for applications uh it's it is i think um with with uh, uh, more and more information coming online um more and more people are becoming very uh, more interested in the organization um uh we have um uh you know you know at uh, at our conference um you know and that was at, what how many months ago at the conference we had over 30 members at that time um and uh and and we've have more and more members coming in all the time we we're getting applications um at least two or three a week which is uh a little bit more than when we, what it was when we started so that's it, it's encouraging so we we're just starting I wanted to add that we are a 100% volunteer organization, um, and, and you know, we, our fee is $65 for the application. All of the money, all the proceeds go into our, our, our programming, uh, which is our annual uh, conference. Our, our, our website is out of sight, in my opinion, in terms of the information that's out there to help people connect to their um, ancestors and uh we use that we use the money to maintain our website we use the money to put on that annual um uh, conference and um what else do we use it for uh we use it for our uh, newsletters we uh we also use uh, you know basically all the money all of the money goes right back into the organization we're a 501c3 organization and um and and and, and it's it all goes into growing and helping people
1: understand uh, the institution of slavery and its effect. And you mentioned uh, a conference. Now, is this something that you will uh, have annually? Yes,
2: we're going to have the the conference. Last conference was in May, May 20th um, of uh, this year. Our next conference will be on May May 19th. Uh, the conference was held in New Jersey uh, at Rider University, and um, uh, it was it was a great conference. I have to say uh, we had a great time. Uh, the people uh, that uh, attended, and, and see that's one of the things that that we're finding. Uh, and I knew it was going to be the case. Uh, at, people who are into ancestry are just, I think, the best people. They are just loving and kind and wonderful. So we had a great conference where we came together to educate the public about the institution of slavery. So we had, um, we had um, uh, you know, sessions, um, you know, um, concurrent sessions. We had um, a keynote a plenary speaker. We had a keynote speaker at our banquet uh, we had, um, at, at, uh, you know, the seminars that went on w- were about uplifting um, our enslaved ancestors. We had a commemoration um, portion where we, uh, we, we named our ancestor. It was a, a lovely ceremony. Um, it, it was very powerful. Um, something about saying that name of those ancestors uh, is, is, is very, very powerful. Uh, we could feel their presence. Um, the, we, have, we, we had seminars about family tree strategies and, and locating and identifying those enslaved ancestors. Um, we, we had a place where all of us could gather. So most of the uh, members uh, gathered together, and we, we distributed the, um, the, the certificates, and, and they were there. We gave out awards and certificates of appreciation for people who are – who are who are leaders in in um, researching about slavery? Research educators. We gave out awards a, a certificate of certificates appreciation for curators of, of uh, museums um, that uh, uh, that are you know the subject is about um, slavery. Uh, leaders who um, you know we, we gave out you know, awards for leaders who are uh, um, like Ann Chin for example who's going around and noting, uh, you know, places where uh, the slave ships came, and she's going all over the country to do that. We, we gave her a certificate of appreciation for her work. Then we also gave out awards to our members. So a lot of our members are accomplished writers, I mean, just amazing people, and uh, we gave out um a, a Phyllis Wheatley awards for our members who uh have written books and um and so it, it we 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 did that. We also gave out um uh, an awards. We give out awards for people who are in the community. So people like um Rick Murphy who uh who has been such an instrumental person in helping to form this organization. Um, and uh, and and helping other people and and getting out information about uh, our our history in this country, and we gave him an award and he got the Crispus Attic Award and um, we gave out an Elijah Abel Award for um, um, he, Robert Birch who is our uh, he's on the board right now and and for his his work in the community. Uh, to connect people to their enslaved ancestors and ancestors um, in general. He, uh, so uh, we also gave out an Ida B. Wells Award, and that award went to, um, uh, to, to our host. So, you know, we, we are, we're trying to uplift and encourage people. Um, and um, the other award that we gave out was um, the Solomon Northup Award. And that was named for our keynote speakers who came, uh, Vera Williams and Justin Gilliam, who were two, two descendants of, of Solomon Northup. They were our keynote speaker at the banquet. And we also named an award after uh, their ancestor. And uh, so it, um, it was a great uh, time. Uh, we we uh, we all came together and uh, it, it was it was just wonderful a wonderful event and we'll do it again next year next year is 20 um, 2018 we will be at Rider University the call for the papers and and speakers are going to be it's going to be coming up on our website pretty soon so we, we ask your listeners to keep checking our website uh, should be coming up uh, in the next. Sometime in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about it, and um, and and then we're going to get ready for our 2019. We're
1: going to do this every year, and our 2019. Well, I have a question Mm -hmm. to ask you. Okay, is to your knowledge, are there any other African American lineage societies similar to this lineage society?
2: I have no knowledge of any other organization that is specifically for African Americans um, descended from enslaved people in the United States, period. I mean, that's what this is about. So we, we are um, an organization for people who, um, you know, are descended from, you know, people in the, in the United States. So I don't know of any other organization that has done something like this there is I, I don't know about it.
1: And are applications being accepted daily or I, I know we're going to hear a little bit more about the the process from Labrenda. But if anyone is interested, I mean how would they contact you?
2: They can contact they can go to our website and on the website there's a membership um, portion and, uh, you know, they can uh, – well, a site, um, one of our pages is dedicated to membership. So they can go there and get information about joining the organization. They can, uh, they can also um, send off for an application. Um, your listeners can send the application to uh, – or they can uh, request an application at um, uh, info at sonsanddaughterssdusmp.org. Info at sdusmp.org, and that acronym is for Sons and Daughters of the US Middle Passage.org. And, um, and, and they can uh, request an application. We'll get it right out to them. Um, and they can also request an application by uh, using the contact information on our
1: website. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back. And when we come back, we're going to talk to LaBrenda Garrett Nelson. She is the registrar, and she can tell us a little bit more about the application process and what she as the registrar is looking for as far as evidence. So we'll take a quick break and come right back. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and Stitcher.com. Now, you have been listening to a discussion about the National Society of the Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage, and I'm bringing on LaBrenda Garrett Nelson she is the register for this organization. So, LaBrenda, please tell us what information and research must be submitted to you for a review to qualify someone for this lineage society.
0: I would be happy to. So as uh, Evelyn mentioned, the application is based on the application that she completed for joining DAR. And what that requires, in essence, is that the applicant document their lineage back to the enslaved ancestor, the uh, person we refer to on the application as the forced American hero. And as you know, Bernice, the same methodology applies in Researching african American ancestors as as uh, that applies to any other group or or uh, race, but the there are differences in things things that have to be taken into account that are not necessarily uh, problems when you're researching folk of european descent and i before I say that, I just want to just emphasize that this is not um, does not substitute for joining a genealogical society. In fact, we think that Sons and Daughters provides an incentive for folks to join an organization such as the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society, because we do require you to do some research. And unlike applicants to the DAR, where they, there is an emphasis on legal documentation, and we like that, too because we can rely on those official documents, but we all know that once folks get back to about 1870, it becomes more difficult for families that came out of slavery to establish their lineage. And so we use the same methodologies and strategies, but we have to take that into account. We have to, um, for example... If a person doesn't have specific information about their enslaved, where their enslaved ancestor was, um, was enslaved or who the slave owner was, um, we have provided some guidance in the application about things that they can do, but all of the facts are very different. Even folk who can identify an ancestor who is free, before the Civil War, may be able to identify um, a time when that ancestor or an earlier ancestor was in fact enslaved, um, and and so those are the kinds of things. So I'm looking at the application, applying the normal genealogical standards, um, requiring folks to have tried to do some reasonably exhaustive research to try to establish what they can. And it is very different. Um, the We don't have marriage certificates for enslaved people, for example, which is something um, you might be required to submit with a, a DAR, DAR application. But there are uh, there is evidence of committed relationships between enslaved people. Or in certain states, for example, North Carolina, um, the uh, legislation was passed that required Um, or or, or allowed enslaved couples to register their marriages. Um, So those kinds of differences have to be taken into account, but it all uh, goes back to using genealogical standards to try to establish your direct line of descent for the ancestor that you wish to honor. Because, again, this is a lineage society, and the basic purpose is to honor our individual ancestors and to educate others about enslaved ancestors and their contributions to this country generally. And and we do that not only through the conference, but also in the newsletters that have been produced, which have focused on particular ancestors.
1: Now, we have a a comment in the chat, uh, Char stating that she has cohabitation records for her enslaved ancestors. Would a cohabitation record serve as evidence for her when
0: submitting an application? Oh, oh, absolutely. I know that they have those records in Virginia and folks have submitted them. Um, this has been a, a great opportunity for me in, to learn more about things that are areas and states that I don't normally work in. Um, for example, um, in New Jersey where – Even before New Jersey began registering births for everybody, and and mainly uh, white folks, they have birth records that still survive in certain counties um, because in 1804, New Jersey uh, passed the Gradual Emancipation Act, and so they had to keep track of children born to enslaved mothers who were eligible to be emancipated when if they were boys when they were twenty five if they were girls, when they were twenty one and, and in one application actually had that kind of evidence to establish a um, a connection between an enslaved um, mother and uh, the ancestor in question, so it's any sort of uh, government documents are normally uh, given. Greater, greater weight when you're trying to establish genealogical proof. And as I said, we use the DAR at, or a form of the DAR application, but we're applying the general methodologies and strategies that we apply in all of our work as genealogists. Okay, so you're, you're
1: saying something as if, you know, people know what the DAR application process is. So what well, I'd like you to do is basically tell the group what the process is. I mean, where, well, well, what kind of stuff I will, will I, they need to pull me, together? Sure.
0: So, and it it requires you to be done with yourself, the applicant, and to establish to provide documentation that shows that you are the child of your parents, and in particular the parent. Whose line you're tracing back, but that you are the child of your parents, and that your the parent whose line you're tracing back is the is the child of your grandparents, and so on and so forth. And after I think about 1920, most states required birth certificates. So ideally, you would want to provide copies, not certified copies necessarily, but copies of uh, those kinds of documents, birth certificates, marriage licenses, and um, ap- and then ap- before 1920, um, census records uh, that would take you back. Death certificates, any sort of vital records that establish the line, the direct line of descent back to your ancestor. As I said, when you get back to 18, most folks can do that to get back to 1870 using birth certificates, death certificates, um, marriage licenses, showing that direct line of descent. After, as you know, when you get to 1870, it becomes a little more difficult, but it's not impossible, as we all know. Um, The 1870 census is a good starting place, but there could be records that predate that 1870 census, that name and ancestor and relationships, we, I talked about the North Carolina legislation, for example, that uh, allowed folks to register their pre existing unions, their unions entered into during slavery. And I've seen those sorts of certificates that have survived. Um, unfortunately, South Carolina, there are none that survive. I think there's like one, literally one thing that survived because South Carolina did not require you to register. <laughs> your your marriage marriage entered into during slavery, but there are other um, other ways to to assemble that kind of information at the conference last year, for example, I did a session on using probate records to identify enslaved ancestors. you know I found a third one of my third great grandmothers in a probate record, and I know it was her because she was there with two of her children who were later found in, still in the household with, with Maher um, in the 1870 census. So there are those kinds of records that can take you back. Some folks have submitted with their applications actual emancipation documents, deeds of manumission, or other documents showing that this ancestor was once enslaved and, and, but, um, but was freed. So it's any sort of credible document that... Provides evidence that your ancestor was enslaved, and and thus helped to build this country.
1: Okay, um, and what would reject? So these this is the information that you would use to accept an applicant. What would make you reject an application?
0: Well, I'll tell you. We we, we have uh, we have some pending applications that we're still working on. Sometimes. Um, I have been able to, and we and we had a uh, a deputy registrar, and we need to get a new one soon. But I, I have had time to try to help folks, point them in the direction of uh, where they should go to complete an application. Sometimes an application is sent in, and the information is there, but not not spelled out uh, clearly. And I've just contacted the person after doing a little bit of research. Saying is this the case, and they said, "Oh yes, that's that's the case." So I, we don't always have time to do that. But in other times, we 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 have a form that we would send back to tell the per- person that more is needed. For example, um, someone recently sent in an application, and all they've and they've attached um, the uh, unsourced copies of ancestry family trees, and that mm-hmm. is not that is not sufficient because we are. Kind of taking this very seriously, and this being wanting people to really research and document their connection to an enslaved ancestor. Okay, so now we we, go ahead. We haven't rejected anyone. We try to help folks um, do this work, do the work.
1: Okay, so you mentioned the word source. So you want to make sure that every document is sourced. When they
0: submit it Well yes That we want to make sure That there is evidence That you are Descended from this person I'm sure You are aware of circumstances Where people Glom on to names On family trees On ancestry And they haven't done the work And there really is no connection You want some
1: evidence Okay Now we have several questions So I'm just going to Rattle off these questions for you First of all uh when an application is processed, what happens to the
0: copies for security purposes? Well, as I said, in trying to adhere to what we know about the DAR, how the DAR treats this, um, and, and, and it's not only that we have members who have gone through the process, but one of my Probably my first genealogy mentor was a longtime registrar of the DAR, and I've consulted her and and others. And as we understand that the DAR does not retain any documents that are less than 100 years old, so they so they and and what that translates into is that we um, on occasion have uh, allowed folks to. when when we've been able to do this, to actually just meet and have me, the registrar, kind of verify that the documents exist and not even taking them, because if if they're less than 100 years old, because we'd end up uh, just shredding them anyway. The only thing that we store is the basic application, which is kind of the first four pages of the application that lists the honored ancestor. The other thing we, we like to identify is who the last uh, slave, the slaveholder was, um, and the listing of the names, but not the—we don't store the underlying documents, um, particularly those that are less than 100 years old.
1: Okay, and then we have a comment from, from Susan, and she's saying that her family connections have many surname changes. So it was hard, It's hard to trace. And so, and, what what and do you, know you what? what do you do when someone has this? But they have that. They have the records. Well, but well the, I'll tell the you, names the, keep changing.
0: You know, I, I I um I know that there's been a, a debate on, on the uh, APG, the Association of Professional Genealogists website, about whether the DAR um well, that's another issue. But I'll use my own example. My husband is a member of Sons and Daughters, and I published an article in the National Genealogical Society quarterly last year all about and the title was "What was his father's birth name?" because all of his uh, all of his documentation um except his uh, except his marriage license has one name, and sometime between the time he married. Uh, my, my late mother-in-law, and the, um, the 1940 census, he all of a sudden became a Nelson. And so I wrote a proof argument using a, a bunch of, of different sources to establish that Nelson was not his birth name. And, and so I know that um, the DAR has accepted proof arguments, even though some folks will, will, have reported that they've been rejected, even when done by respected genealogists, but I think that if you can uh, establish by a reasoned uh, argument a genealogical proof that what a name was, I, that that w- that should be sufficient. And and you know that, that the article f- that yeah. you can go take a look at is well, it was accepted for publication. That yeah, this is a reasoned argument, and that's the kind of thing. That um I would accept. Okay. And
1: would you also accept let's say DNA, uh that while you haven't traced your ancestor back to uh a someone enslaved, you have a DNA match that has traced the ancestor back to the enslaved. Well, I,
0: I'm I'm I certainly am not going to pretend that I am well versed enough to make a judgment about that. Mm-hmm. Um and in any event I don't think that DNA alone is sufficient to establish anything. I think you need some documentation. You need a paper trail. Because we have like, you know, 10 generations back, we all have like over 1000 ancestors, right? And yes. this is a lineage society and, and 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 an important part of what we're doing is to identify an ancestor we are honoring. And, and I, I, I should mention because I, that we also, you can also do supplemental applications for um, a much reduced fee if you want to honor additional ancestors. But my short answer is that DNA, I don't think any, even the people who specialize in genetic genealogy will tell you that you need more than just the DNA. You still need to do um, a reasonably exhaustive research to document as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just take you um,
1: to just another area. And that would be a record, let's say, from the United States Colored Troops. And you're looking at the, the invalid pension record. And in that invalid pension record, uh, the applicant lists the name of the person that enslaved them. Would you accept that? information
0: oh absolutely and we have we actually on the application there's a a place to indicate whether the ancestor was a member of the u.s colored troops and that is an official government document and it's it is evidence and you would Uh take it into account and correlate it with all of your other evidence you know another one application had a um, the ancestor lived lived to participate in the WPA slave narrative project, and and named the slaveholder, and you know that is evidence. Yes. Well, you know, as
1: I as I listened to you and and as we heard uh, Evelyn speak, it certainly gives. Uh, individuals an opportunity to say look I can't do my research so that they could reject the narrative that you can't find your people enslaved Uh, because you're actually telling people do your research and with your research and with your evidence you then qualify to become a part of this lineage society
0: and and you um honor your ancestor in doing so I have to say, as soon as I heard about this, I thought, "What a fabulous idea!" And why isn't there an existing organization already doing this? Um, if there ever was one, I, I don't think it's active.
1: It, yeah, right. And and who knows? I I don't know personally about any of the any other organizations similar to what you are speaking of. So I'm going to move on unless you have a, well, it. Well, look like there's some more questions. Uh, so the sons and daughters, you only retain the information only on the last slaveholder? This
0: is a question. Well, the, um, the application asks for slaveholders. Actually, on my application, I actually listed two slaveholders. And the other thing that Evelyn uh, didn't have a chance to mention is that we have a slave database under construction, and, and I think it's going to be a little different, and, and this is goes to where what we do with funds, because it's going to identify not only an ancestor and a slaveholder where, where, where the slaveholder has been has been um, identified, but it, it puts it, it gives it more context. than some of the databases where you can plug in a name and not necessarily come up with with other information. Relevant relevant to that ancestor. but yes. yes, We, but but yeah. I had I I have my Garrett ancestor, my direct Garrett ancestor. I have him in his, in this the will of the slaveholder who held a lot of folk in my family, and and I know that he was bought out of the estate by another slaveholder with another surname. So I listed both of them, and at some point we want to include that kind of information in a searchable database.
1: Right. Well, you have some more
0: comments coming out of the chat.
1: Um, uh, Susan is saying that her great-grandfather Isaac was in the Civil War, and his former slave owner was mentioned on the document. And so that right there is qualifying Susan if she chooses to uh, submit an application because she has that documentation. There are folks
0: who who can't find proof, but the fact of the matter is, is that When the Civil War, before the Civil War, 90% of African Americans were enslaved. And so 10% were not, and that 10% I've read was kind of evenly dispersed between the North and the Upper South mainly, but most African Americans were enslaved. So if you have an ancestor who shows up in the 1870 census, and you've done reasonably exhaustive research, so you haven't, you don't have any evidence that that ancestor was free, like that he, the he or she did not show up in a census record before 1870, for example. And it's, it's a fair assumption to make that the person was probably enslaved. And that's um, one of the differences between doing this kind of research and researching other folks. But it does take but some work. But just by have the to, fact
1: that you have a, a, an assumption, you still have to have evidence. I mean, you still right, have to have
0: looked, supporting
1: documentation. Looked,
0: right, that you've at least done some research to see, did this person show up in a census previous to that, um, previous to 1870? Um, there, there may be cases where you don't have probate records that you can search, for example, because the courthouse is burned, lots of courthouse fires. But the point is that... You have to do – we encourage folks to actually do some research, and that should provide the incentive for people to get more involved in organizations like OGS. Okay. Well, we're
1: going – do you have anything else you want to add before we bring no, Muriel on? Nope. Okay, so, Muriel?
3: Yes. Hello, Bernie. Okay.
1: Okay, so, Muriel Roberts is a chartered member, And she's going to tell us about her enslaved ancestor and why she decided to join this lineage society.
3: Well, one thing I always say is that I believe our ancestors speak to us. I'm not certain if they choose us or it's because we pester them so much as we research our family history and they give in and decide to guide us to the information we seek. But either way, they order our steps, directing our journey to complete their stories. Meeting Evelyn McDowell during the August 2015 conference in Richmond, Virginia, was a blessing. Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage gave me a focus. I now have a A framework to zero in on instead of jumping from one family branch to another. I'm just notorious for doing that. Um, But most important to me was honoring my ancestor, uh, who was once enslaved, my paternal second-great-grandmother, Melendia Dixon, of Upper Richland County, South Carolina. And being a Northern girl on my maternal side, um, I really um, didn't know much about the South. My mother kept it that way. She was a Yankee pure in heart, but not the baseball team. We're Dodger fans. Um, but I must thank my cousin, Jackie Wiggins Yazin. Uh, her research helped me discover and document Melendia. Uh, who was previously misnamed on a family tree as Matilda. So when I was able to connect with Jackie and found out about Melendia and her true name, and then there was um, her son, Thomas, who was not my Ancestor, I descend from Melindia's son, Mac Dixon. But Thomas Dixon, his brother, was interviewed with the WPA, and he told his narrative of slavery and of his mother, who was purchased by William Moultrie Gibbs and the Gibbs family of South Carolina. So having that, where he stated in the narrative that his mother was enslaved. Well, he was enslaved, but he was young. Um, But his mother, uh, that gave me the documentation that I needed to join um, Sons and Daughters of the United States Middle Passage. And it was a blessing to me that I could honor um, an enslaved ancestor who I knew went through so much in their life and struggled uh, but overcame, and uh, the family grew and prospered uh, down the line. So, in that respect, I'm very grateful and honored that I'm a member of the sons and daughters of the United States Middle Passage. And I think everyone should really take the time Um, that intergenerational pride is something in uplifting people today. And if our young people look back, many people say they don't want to look back Many people, their family members, would not tell them about their background, but we can search it out. There are ways, and there's nothing better than finding the documentation, and it's, it's explosive um, and heartwarming. So that's how I feel, and um, I, I thank you for the opportunity to share uh, my story.
1: Well, thank you so much. Well, I have opened up all the phone lines for our guests, and there's a question, and they would like to know, and any of you can respond, uh, if one can submit an application for a kin of one's ancestor uh, and applying the cluster genealogy strategy, um, they found documents from the slave uh, era for a kin in law of an ancestor. So, um, Evelyn uh, La Brenda, is this possible?
0: Well, it wouldn't strictly be the the applicant would then not be um, in the line of descent from that collateral relative. The what we do allow is for you to submit for as many of your ancestors as, as you would like. But we haven't really talked about this but it, it but this is a lineage society and so we have been following the process of having the applicant be able to show that they are a direct descendant of the ancestor that they wish to honor. Evelyn would you do you have a different view of that?
2: Uh, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, uh, yeah, we, we want, um, uh, you know, this, this is a a linear society, so we, we have to, um, you know, establish that direct line. So, um, you know, at this point, this, this is what we're, um, you know, what,
1: what, you know, this, this is how you get into the organization. Okay. Um, I'll just, you know, reach out to the people in the chat room. Do you all have any additional questions that you would like to have answered before we close out the show tonight? Do you all have anything else you would like to say to the listeners?
0: Uh,
2: yeah, uh-huh. I have, um, yes. Um, I I recently, um, you know, a, 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 is this where we... Well, I'm going to go with my parting words, I guess, at this point. Um, uh, you know, I recently went to uh, Mount Vernon and uh, George Washington's plantation, and I was struck to see how he and his wife were buried, and uh, they were buried. He they were buried on this beautiful, uh, you know, vault on top of a hill, and this enslaved uh, people were buried in unmarked graves at the bottom of the hill. Um, and there were over 150 people buried there. By refusing to to learn their names and knowing their lives, aren't we ignoring their humanity is a question that I often ask people. And, and we have the ability to give them uh, their dignity. I call it intergenerational dignity, you know, the ability to to, um, to give dignity to someone who is not here anymore. And by honoring their memory and connecting ourselves to them, they dreamt about us, and we owe them our lives. So uh, join. I would like for people to consider joining us and as we uplift their, our ancestors and people like you, the, the family historians, your listeners, um, are, are heroes in our eyes because you help uncover these, the stories um, about our ancestors. For your listeners, I'd like to extend our charter membership deadline uh, to uh, December 15th, so, if you would write uh, Bernice Bennett in honor of Bernice uh, on the top of your application as you send it in, uh, we will uh, consider your application for a special membership. And uh, these members are listed on uh, in, in in our resolution uh, in our corporate minutes, and their and their information will be maintained for eternity along with their ancestor's name. So. Please take a chance of uh, taking an opportunity to um, uh, go to our website, see what we have there, and and send in your application. Um, if if I will, I would like to have a few minutes just to acknowledge the uh, the current board members, Dr. Ola um, Smith and Robert J. Birch and um, uh, Jr. Uh, Felicia Correa and Gigi Beth Richardson. Um, they they and, and I want to. Um, uh, acknowledge our, our existing members and our advisory council our conference speakers who presented uh, pro bono I'd like to thank the DAR uh, people for their support and of course um, I would like to give a big thank you for LaBrenda Garrett Nelson and Muriel D.D. D. Roberts for being on the call tonight and last but not least I want to thank you Bernice for airing and producing these amazing shows and allowing us to speak about the organization. You, Bernice, are a national treasure. We love you, and thank you so much for everything that you do.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so very much. And we have a comment coming out of the chat from David, and David is saying that the conference was outstanding, that he attended back in May 2017, and he looks forward to next year. Uh, family tree girl would like a flyer uh, about the uh, society so that this can be shared at the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute. It okay. will allow people to feel that they have been incentivized to do exactly what Muriel has done. She said it, it gave her focus so let's look at this lineage society as giving you focus to find your enslaved ancestor. Uh LaBrenda, do you have any parting words? No, I, I I don't have anything to add to what Evelyn said. <laughs> okay. Thank you, well, I want to thank I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight and This is just a special society, everyone. I mean, think about this. You are honoring your ancestors uh, by providing the necessary documentation to join the National Society of the Sons and Daughters of the U.S. Middle Passage. So thank you so much, Dr. Evelyn McDowell, LaBrenda Garrett-Nelson, and Muriel D.D. Roberts for joining the show tonight. And everyone else, please remember your ancestors' left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral records, oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives, and don't forget the BEYOND. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and BEYOND and the AfroGenius Facebook pages, and also remember to listen to the African Roots Podcast with Angela Walton Raji on Friday, and also watch for the Black ProGen Live with host Nico Sul-Smith. Thank you so much for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, with co-host Patricia Glover Howard, and I look forward to all of you joining me next week. Good night, everyone. Good night, Evelyn, LaBrenda, and Muriel. Good night. Good night, Bernice.